Welcome to Insights on Responsible Business, a podcast about organizations building trust, security, and resilience to thrive in a new era of uncertainty and stakeholder capitalism. Listen to business leaders discuss their challenges and experiences in becoming more responsible businesses towards an outcome that is better for all stakeholders, better for the long-term shareholder value, and better for society as a whole. Our host is Sir Rob Wainwright, formerly head of Europol with experience coordinating global operations against cyber, criminal, and terrorist networks, and now a senior partner of Deloitte. Our special guest is Frantisek Frabel, a technology entrepreneur with Silicon Valley experience, founder and CEO of Semantic Visions, a company that built a leading edge technology at the intersection of big data, semantic analysis, and artificial intelligence. His experience covers dealing with business and political leaders in over 25 countries. He deeply understands the media ecosystem and advises the EU and NATO on effective measures to counter foreign state propaganda and disinformation. His personal motto is, I can think, I can wait, I can fast. So how does a responsible business stay informed in an environment wrought with misinformation? Frantisek and Rob are here to explain that with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Rodney. And welcome, listeners, and a warm welcome to you, Frantisek. What a pleasure it is to have you in this episode of our podcast. Now, let's get into this topic of the role information plays in society in this modern digital age. I've certainly seen from my career how valuable data can be in identifying and helping to combat terrorism and cybercrime, for example. And of course, the concept of big data has become a primary feature of the global economy in recent years. But there's a flip side, of course, as we all know, because not all information on the internet is accurate or reliable, and some of it deliberately designed to mislead consumers, citizens, and even voters in some cases. So the quality of information becomes a priceless asset. Well, Frantisek, you know all about the power of information as a business entrepreneur in this field now, as someone who once lived in a communist state when propaganda was used as a tool maybe to deceive people. And you also since helped the US administration improve the reliability of its intelligence at the time of the Iraq war. Well, a fascinating bio indeed. Tell me, Frantisek, from all of that experience, what have you learned about the role information plays in society and for business? Thank you, Rob. Uh, well, the information plays a critical role uh, because basically we as human beings, uh, we perceive uh, the world through information mostly. And uh, we, we act uh, according to the information that is available uh, for us. Uh, when you mentioned uh, the war in Iraq, uh, I was uh, somehow being able uh, to, uh, to see some of the information that, uh, based on which uh, the decisions, strategic decisions, uh, which were, in my opinion, wrong, uh, were made. And uh, uh, this brought me, this brought me uh, to an idea uh, to create or develop a system that uh, would uh, overcome um, the constraints of, 
the systems and methods uh, being used uh, uh, so far or till then. Um, and the wrong decisions, in my opinion, were, uh, were made uh, uh, also due to the fact that the intelligence analysis or the intelligence work that was conducted was based on information that was available in English and not in the, in, uh, in, uh, the language that was uh, spoken locally, that means uh, in Arabic and, of course, in other languages uh, of the other powers being involved uh, in the uh, Middle East. Um, as you may know, of course, or as you know, uh, like 90%, 90% or intelligence that is available in the world is is not available in English. In other words, uh, uh, prevailing or vast majority of uh, intelligence exists out of uh, out of English. It's a fascinating stat, isn't it? 90% of it. And, and so... For us in the English speaking world, we, we tend to assume, of course, the internet is, is by and large an English speaking environment. It's not. And, and the example you gave, now a very famous example, I suppose, of the critical decisions, maybe some of which were misinformed by taking the wrong decisions at the time of the Iraq, Iraq war. Since then, we've seen a much further explosion of the size of the internet, the amount of data that's, that's out there. So, how has the world changed in, in, in that sense, do you think, to, to cope with just these high volumes of data and to absorb it still in a reliable way to, to make the right business decisions? Uh, what we have seen uh, since uh, the Iraqi war was an explosion of, um, uh, of, info of information uh, being available uh, on the web. Uh, clearly, Internet be has become the dominant uh, media uh, platform. And uh, um, and some of the countries uh, try to uh, leverage uh, uh, this phenomena uh, to their own interest and influence masses of people uh, to implant uh, chaos to their heads, to their minds, and actually they uh, they try to change what we uh, what we think in their favor. I think what you talk about, of course, is is this this idea of of disinformation, which I think is, if I remember correctly, is information that's deliberately designed to mislead. Uh, and of course, there, there is this sort of close cousin of that misinformation, which is maybe not deliberate, but still capable of uh, giving the wrong uh, facts to people. Uh, we've seen right now, of course, during this COVID crisis, um, health information that's unreliable that's been circulating, some wild stories, conspiracy theories about how 5G antenna apparently can also help spread the virus. I mean, when you, when you look at the COVID news and you see things like that through your experience, you know, what lessons are you, are you drawing from, from what it means for, for the information world? Uh, well, what I see is uh, several, uh, several aspects. Um, one of them is that, uh, unfortunately, uh, media uh, has lost its, uh, I would say, privileged uh, position uh, as, uh, as the fourth uh, power of democracy uh, besides, uh, besides legislation, ex executive power, uh, and judicial uh, power. Uh, we see uh, the, the information space uh, is flooded 
by by news portals or sources that publish news uh, with uh, and those sources have do not have any responsibility everybody can present uh, its own news uh, or, or or articles I mean you've worked in Silicon Valley though um, Frantisek do you think you know the responsibilities of big tech and the social media partners I mean are, are they do you see the attitudes changing uh, to towards a more responsible business approach? Do you think that the tech sector recognizes the point you just made, which is this proliferation of of news platforms and outlets, which are very different to to what we were used to in the past? Are they accepting that responsibility? Do you see some winds of change that are that are that may be positive? Uh, we can see some uh, wind of change, but. Uh... Uh, the changes are by far not uh, uh, sufficient. Um, and uh, this is uh, based on the fact that the big tech uh, companies, uh, they are having, I would say, a problem uh, or their business model is a challenge because it is based on advertising uh, and, the adver- and their revenues from advertising are, are based on, uh, on so-called user engagement. So the news that they provide to, to their users, they have, they, uh, the more emotional they are, the more, in, the more interesting they are, the more exciting, the more, I would say, um, uh, controversial they are, the higher the user engagement is. So they have big troubles with that. I think there is an obvious conflict of interest. And in my experience, um, uh, maybe I see some some areas of, of 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 a different positive approach because this this idea of of responsible business of of the idea of stakeholder capitalism of, of running your business in any industry now for a wider benefit uh, in society, I'm seeing that take hold also even in these these big tech firms. So maybe I'm a bit more positive, but you have a lot more experience than me. So I, of course I, I accept that. On the wider point, though, about not just the tech firms, wider business as a whole, um, here, of course, they are using information themselves, consuming it to make very important business decisions. So for them, the challenge, I suppose, is is still very important um, about getting access to critical but, but still reliable information. What do you think businesses should be doing Really, in this in this space, to improve the quality of decisions on which they may, uh, make uh, the quality of information on which they're making these decisions. This is a good question. I think that uh, uh, the powerful way how to how to get information uh, that is uh, reliable is uh, to use uh, both technology and I would say also a human power analyst uh, brain brain power. Uh, to provide them with a the condensed information that uh, is being um, checked um, and um, uh, should be uh, should be uh, truthful. So you make a, po- a good point, Frantisek, about the importance of using technology, harnessing it still with a power of of the human analyst. And I and I certainly recall that from my days. In law enforcement, it was the judgment of the analyst in the end and interpreting the data in the right way that was the critical, uh, critical uh, ingredient to success. As we move to an era of artificial intelligence, is that still the case or is AI becoming so powerful that gradually the role of human intervention maybe is becoming less important? What do you think? 
Um, I think that artificial intelligence is becoming, of course, uh, more increasingly powerful, but we are very far uh, from the situation where it could uh, uh, overtake uh, the human brain, uh, the the human um, or the, the analyst uh, brain power. Because exactly as, as you uh, as you describe it, uh, at the end, uh, the analyst has to have a broad understanding uh, of uh, of the whole domain, knowledge domain, and uh, context uh, is uh, context and historical memory uh, is uh, so much uh, important. Uh, artificial intelligence can help us with uh, processing and analyzing large uh, amounts, uh, volumes of data, which, like in our case, uh, we are able to interconnect the information that uh, exists all over the world in, in uh, all the major uh, world languages. This is something the human race couldn't do, but the interpretation of, of the data, the resulting data from the artificial intelligence modules um, then uh, it is much better if it is being uh, understood uh, and uh, and interpreted in a way uh, the human uh, the human brain understands it. Yeah, and, and not least, I suppose, um, amongst leaderships, you know, business leaders who have to do, who have to make that that critical interpretation in the end. And for those business executives, maybe listening uh, to this this podcast, Frantisek, I think. When, when we all see the importance of, of information quality today, what are the practical things that executives can be doing, you know, to improve the reliability of the data on which they're basing these important decisions? What, what, what solutions are out there that, that give us hope for the future? So we, if we are dealing with, uh, with a flood of information and we can, this is the big data phenomena. Um, and visualization is, uh, is probably one of the, one of the, the only way how to understand them. So if I was a, <clears throat> if I was an executive uh, CEO of a large company or a board member of a large company, uh, I would uh, <clears throat> request uh, from my people to provide me with powerful visualizations so I can see I can see as many dimensions uh, uh, as uh, possible um, through dashboards that would work inter- interactively. Uh, so uh, they would uh, be interactive, um, and this is—that uh, is what I know. Uh, this is still um, uh, this is still a situation where we are far from. You you think though that uh, that there are there are developments that that are still hopeful though for the future. Where do you where do you see the greatest innovation right now in taking us to to a, a better future where we can improve the quality of information? So I think uh, we are, or I am experienced in uh, a lot in the texture information analysis. Um, so in the last uh, years, uh, we have done, uh, I would say, great uh, leaps uh, forward. Uh, we can understand the technologies available for very precise understanding of uh, of information that is uh, contained not only in one document but in millions of or billions of documents uh, um, across uh, uh, multiple languages. So this is something that was not available uh, at all uh, in, uh, in in the past. Are you an optimistic man, Frantisek? You've had 
such uh, an amazing life experience, a great career in, the, in this field. Do you think, are you optimistic? Do you think that we are getting to grips with this, this challenge of, of improving information quality or is it only getting worse for us? Uh, I'm optimistic uh, in this respect um, because the technology advancements uh, are, are great. Um, there's so many bright people uh, who want to condense uh, uh, the information space and change it, change the big data into, uh, into knowledge. Um, so I have no doubts that uh, we will make it. Um, I'm not that optimistic. Having said that, I'm not that optimistic uh, in the disinformation field uh, because we are on the uh, we are just entering uh, the next uh, stage of disinformation, which is which is deep fakes based on artificial intelligence, and this will cause uh, big troubles for us as a society. A, a word of hope and a word of warning uh, from you, Frantisek. And on that note, I think it's a good way to close this podcast. Thank you for being our guest in this in this edition. Well, the term fake news has become an icon of our times. As trust deficits have seemingly grown between voters and politicians, businesses and consumers, securing access to good, reliable information has become a critical commodity for our digital experience. In that sense, we've moved from an information age to an age of information quality. That the choices we make in our shopping habits, news consumption, and at the ballot box become more and more dependent on having faith in the data presented to us. And in these extraordinary times of the COVID crisis, even the health of many people are affected by this. Touches every part of the business community, as we've heard social media platforms concerned to ensure the trust of their users is not undermined by agents of disinformation and that companies everywhere seeking to leverage the potential of big data to transform their business model. They know that the strength and reliability of the data underpinning major investment decisions is hugely important. What we've learned in discussion with Frantisek today is that there is a way to improve the fundamental asset value of any data by leveraging the power of analytics, visualization, other technologies in close association with human involvement to allow us then to sense and judge risk in a more assured way. Having that assurance is key to making the right business decisions and to promoting trust with stakeholders. That puts the priceless asset of information quality at the heart of responsible business. Thanks for listening to another episode of Insights on Responsible Business. Hope you enjoyed it and that you'll tune in to our next episode. Review us on Spotify, the iTunes podcast app, or whatever popular podcast app you're using. And find out more on Deloitte.nl. We'll see you in our next episode.